Good morning, everyone. We are here with yet another episode of Concast, the consulting podcast of NIBM. Today, we have with us Mr. Devam Sadhana. Hello, sir. On behalf of the consulting club of NIBM, we welcome you to our podcast, and it's a great pleasure to host you for the same. Hi, hi, Karun. Thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, very happy to be here, and look forward to uh, an engaging time, and uh, hopefully helpful for others as well. So before we move on to our podcast, we would be honored if you'd give us a short background about yourself and the work that you do at your company, Mekin. Right. So uh, I am currently based in Delhi. I've done my graduation from IIT Roorkee in Metallurgical and Materials Engineering. Uh, then went to Flipkart, uh, worked in supply chain for a year. Post that, completed my postgraduate diploma in management from IIM Ahmedabad. Have been with McKinsey ever since then, uh, almost five and a half years now. Uh, I'm currently an engagement manager in my role. Uh, I lead the project delivery on a day-to-day basis at clients, uh, and the engagements vary from uh, being one month to uh, multi-year engagements as well. Uh, so, in my core role, I'm responsible for delivering the best output to the clients, uh, building relationships with clients, and obviously. ensuring that we have a continuous ongoing agenda for uh, impact and improving the client's performances so that's the control a very impressive background and uh, thank you so much for uh, accepting our invitation so without further ado let's uh, move on to the podcast and today's topic the role of data analytics in consultancy which would definitely give a insightful message and uh, insightful Thoughts to our all our listeners. Now let's move on to the first question for the day. So first question is how important is the role of data analytics in consulting? So let me just go back to maybe fifty, seventy, eighty years. Right, uh, the role of de- data analytics has been historically very important in consulting, and I will keep the tools etc. aside for now. Uh, the origin of consulting started with Uh, the master discipline of accounting right which is which is all numbers etc so people would look at the balance sheet people would look at the financial statements pnl cash flow and try and understand what the organization should do next so the role of data analytics has been extremely important it is just now that the buzzword has come in on data analytics uh and i think it's it's serving a few purposes right Uh, one is speed so you can do things much faster than you could do earlier so if i have to look uh, and i'll just give a simple example right if i have to look through a balance sheet if i have to look through a pnl statement cash flow and understand uh, what the the company is doing i can probably do it in 10 minutes in a templatized version today which will give me all the red flags right which would take maybe a week earlier uh so that is part one speed definitely has changed right so for example if i have to identify customer segments today i can do clustering and like just get done with it in maybe 2 hours instead of a full one week or two week kind of work the other thing that you know data analytics the buzzword of today has done is in terms of accuracy right so i'm able to test hundreds of hypotheses in a week whereas i would have been able to test 10 hypotheses in maybe 2 months 
so for example if i have to say that you know uh, karun is a great guy he is not price sensitive i want to give him an offer which is maybe only 10% discount on swiggy not like 60% discount i can create a test group i can create a control group and just test it in a day earlier this period would take about 2 to 3 weeks so speed accuracy because you're able to test much more and you're able to test those in a shorter period of time and the third is it has increased the importance of judgment right so now data is no more the differentiator earlier probably people who were good at data analytics or who who had the sort of wherewithal to you know understand these uh, financial statements understand uh, the other set of data they where it was more subjective they had the power now data analytics is sort of democratizing that and giving the power to everyone so the judgment on what to do next becomes even more important with the data so you can give the data to a person you can give the data to a donkey right and the output will be very different very insightful answer and um, it's a very good point about uh, you know how data analytics was always present and uh, the only now the speed and accuracy has improved coming yeah. to the speed and accuracy point so what kind of tools and technologies do firms in uh, the present day employ to analyze such cases or new cases for clients in today's day and age yeah so i think in terms of tools and technologies what you would see is not very different from uh, maybe the best digital players right in visualization probably we will use tableau in terms of analytics we'll use altrix we'll use r we'll we'll use python for that matter right uh in terms of uh some of the new ui ux based tools which will give us insights we'll probably use envision uh for prototyping as well right so i mean in terms of tools and technologies i wouldn't yeah tools for 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 starters right uh i would say that it's pretty much the set of same tools which uh a tcs would use or an infosys would use or for that matter even google would use right uh for tools it's not very different i think uh, consulting as a profession while was late to catch up i think in terms of again uh, just their ability they've sort of caught up to uh, every single uh, tool that's available right i i, I don't have the exhaustive list but uh, definitely they have in terms of technologies i would say that it is again there is no differentiator in consulting probably uh, it would be same as google apple netflix right it, it would not be very different so you can have a sim- right from a simple regression to a random forest algorithm to you know stochastic calculus to predict the price of the stock market or inflation there is anything and everything under the sun being done so tools and technologies i would say if you had asked me this question 5 years ago consulting would be way behind but today given that the clients are at a certain level and they've probably done the 10 things that you would recommend them on day one probably they've done it a year ago so it is just to keep pace with the times and i would say this there's absolutely no differentiator there thank you for the uh, extensive knowledge and uh, answers answer and um, so the consulting field is a very sought after field by all students from all colleges so 
what would you say are the expected skill sets or you know uh, sort of the um, qualities that uh, people look for in an engagement manager or to get a position in um, one of these or the big four or one of these companies yeah so consulting is a very inward focused profession right uh, which means that the it's like basically corporate law right uh, everything sort of uh, everyone who's who's a partner or a senior partner has risen from the ranks inside very few are actually lateral hires and there is a reason to it right which we call apprenticeship so if you ask me the skills of an engagement manager he's basically been apprenticed as a consultant first which means he has the ability to do problem solving slice and dice data uh, uh do sort of blue sky problem solving uh understand the pulse of the client on what they want uh have have the confidence and presence to uh, you know present in large groups to cxos etc so all those are sort of the prerequisites the additional skills that you know you gain as an engagement manager and people sort of still are learning uh the additional skills that you gain as an engagement manager is again the uh foresight on what potentially could go wrong it's it's a it's a almost role where you have to predict what could go wrong and then try and mitigate that so i would say judgment both uh on the internal perspective as well as clients because you're managing multiple moving parts that is the most important thing the second thing which you know as a person you've got to crack is motivation right so what motivates the team what motivates the clients uh what motivates internal leadership and uh, the answers to those could be very different so you have to create an enabling environment for uh you know people to thrive so i could be motivated by you know great quality of work some other person could be motivated by great client interactions uh working with the sort of smart clients third person could be motivated by shorter burn tasks right where they could sort of uh work completely for 3 days and then probably take one day a little easy so you have to figure out the motivations of different people and uh, make them work I, i would say those are the two core skills in addition to the hygiene skills very uh, interesting perspective about motivation and how it's personal to each person and uh, and very valuable advice about how to you know one what type of skills to one would uh, be required to have to enter into consulting now moving on to another data analytics question you had mentioned tools like tableau etc and uh, yeah. math based hypothesis and mathematical models so yeah. my question is how can these mathematical models and how does data analytics in a, as a whole be refined or modified to incorporate uh, black swan events or unforeseen events like such as the pandemic as covid that's a that's a very interesting question so i'll talk about a few things here right uh one is that uh so why do you think sort of you know people play lotteries lottery is still a big game in in uh, uh rural parts both both legal and illegal uh and it's it's there in few countries right 
the reason people play lottery is that you overweight very very small probabilities it's just a bias of the mind right so you overweight very very small probabilities uh because the gain is very very high right if you try and sort of turn that around and say that you know there's a small probability that you will have a very high loss it's just the mental bias that people will uh say that you know okay it's not going to happen to me it's not going to happen to us but when a pandemic happens like this you then try and become more cautious because you've seen it in your lifetime so now you will start overweighting those probabilities so all the models all the insurance companies which have sort of suffered huge losses right uh are now overweighting these probabilities and hence you will see a change in the risk premiums you will see a change in uh what you get offered as a customer you will see a change in the riders exclusions etc so now from a world pre 2020 of underweighting probabilities of black swan events now you will see a period where we will overweight the black swan events until the memory fades out and i i don't expect it to fade out maybe in the next few years but definitely after the next few years that's that's the one big thing that has changed now people are building it into contracts models i mean if there's any person who can come out and say you you can build this in the model i would be glad to meet that person uh, but most probably that will be after my lifetime because the only person that knows this is god so i don't think it makes sense okay so hopefully we uh hopefully there's a some in the future there much better developments regarding these events and so uh, coming to the next question do you think analytics as a subject should uh, to be should be introduced to students at an early age to improve their career prospects or should or is, is it just a buzzword that can be uh, you know that one can learn in later stages uh when you say early stages what what uh what early early in for example uh, in school in school and colleges we do not uh, most of us do not have experience with uh, or ex- enough exposure to uh, such subjects and uh, do you think um students should start from an early stage like in a secondary school or undergrad in learning subjects like this or uh, yeah so i would say i would say definitely yes the only constraint is that this has to come with great faculty right and uh, with due respect i'm not sure of the faculty quality that exists across colleges or across schools to have this topic so i would probably encourage students to learn and explore on their own i would trust the online resources Uh, uh a little more than uh the set of faculty that we have across colleges and schools right see it's a great discipline right it builds it builds the power of logic which is way beyond analytics as well right the only thing is uh as as they say uh, and i'm sure you're aware correlation is not causation i don't want people going down the path where they don't understand what that analytics means in real life right so example every time it rains sachin scores a century if the teachers are not sort of you know intuitive enough or do not have a understanding of the real world it will it can be a disaster in the other sense so i would say the encouragement needs to be built around it it needs to be exploratory 
and uh, it needs to factor in uh, you know the real life aspect of it i would never want to push something uh, unless i'm sure of the quality that it uh, will come with a very good point about uh, the quality of uh, education and how when one must uh, start it is obviously a personal decision yeah so um moving on to the next question you can carry on diksha yes thank you uh, so so uh, with the rapid advancement of technology such as the ai the automations uh, which can process large amount of data faster than any human how yeah. relevant would a highly skilled person still be for the decision making in the years to come it's a great point but uh, i mean uh, there's a lot of research around this uh, which says that the the risk of least disruption is to the psychologist and the psychiatrist and the therapist right uh, and the reason is because they are doing something which you cannot automate but the degree of automation will vary across different professions right so for a, if a person is just filing bills and manually uh, you know uh, reconciling them sure i mean you need to upskill right now but if a person is in the profession of guiding based on judgment based on experience based on intuition and with data as input i don't think that is going to go away if anything it's going to strengthen the uh, uh, judgment based professions right so again therapists for one consultants for another i would say absolutely the, the uh, lawyers don't think will go away right on the other end of the spectrum if you're talking about you know all the finance and accounting jobs which are pure play reconciliation bills management etc yeah i mean i would say maybe in about uh you're talking about large scale adoption so maybe uh 7 8 yeah 20 30 for sure i mean they we would have maybe 20% of the jobs that exist in the annual professions today and the reason that you know this will be at such a large scale is because now the marginal cost effects of uh, these these technologies will start kicking in right innovators have adopted they sort of spent money on innovation now there'll be like multiple players cropping up trying to gather business so i think uh, we are we are in for a very good run till 2030 we will probably see 20 30% of the professions being completely disrupted yes sir <clears throat> i think uh, many of us will agree to it that uh, the peop- uh, the ai could not take over the people completely in any short duration of time yeah so, uh, and it's, it's it's right to say right i mean it's not arrogant to say it's right to say because yeah, yeah. you can't replace a therapist however yeah. great you are yes you can't replace yes. a lawyer you can't because there is the human angle uh, involved in that yes absolutely so so coming to something related to banking when almost all the banks uh, come come up with uh, almost similar credit card products what strategy goes behind attract a more number of customers and what determines the unique selling point of such credit cards yeah so uh, you know you're absolutely right you you look at the market and you look at the uh, recent hdfc ban which got lifted then the mastercard and amex uh, sort of restrictions 
it's very very difficult to differentiate right you have cards almost like eight to ten cards in every category like if i look at travel premium cashback super premium everything uh the way some of the players are doing this now is trying to establish exclusive partnerships while it's it's been around forever in the form of co-branded cards the idea is what is the exclusivity that you can offer right for example one of the recent cases that you will see of success right is the amazon pay icici bank credit card which sold why the dozen every time right mm-hmm. and the major sourcing channel was sorry major and the only sourcing channel was how you could get it through amazon right and if i look at the success drivers uh, probably you know icici bank has had to take a lot of hit in economics because amazon uh, uh, by virtue of uh, the ecosystem dominates uh, in that partnership but uh, i would probably say that if as a credit card i have to differentiate today i would have to think of something on the lines of amazon icici a, a very strong ecosystem captive base to bank upon a great experience which means just in two or three clicks i'm able to get the card and a compelling consistent proposition you can offer 10000 rupees at upfront and it won't make a difference but you have to have a compelling consistent proposition that builds the habit of spending so uh all these credit cards although by the way i i do believe they're going after the similar base so we will see some saturation in a uh, point in time but uh, if if for now today you have to differentiate uh, i think there has to be a a huge ecosystem to bank upon and you need like some something which is consistently rewarding you can't sort of just uh, rely on a one time reward yes absolutely i think uh, this will help us uh, in the coming one year when banks and everything come to our campus and we'll have yeah. a so slightest knowledge about the things then so so how can data analytics and a mathematical model be used to determine the credit score of an individual or firm and how can it be used to determine if the loan should be granted to a person or a firm at large so i would say the the, the spectrum to look at here is look at retail customers first which are which is an individual underwriting then you look at the small and medium enterprises and within that don't look at companies maybe beyond a turnover of 250 crores which are true smes beyond that i would say it is still and greater than 250 or maybe greater than 500 crores is still one segment right which is the corporates and the uh, the large smes i would say on that even on that today the decision making is one to one Yeah. and uh, for example if hdfc bank has to lend to uh, maybe uh, uh, one of the big corporates reliance etc adani they have to take a decision on their own right it is just on the basis of one to one assessment and there the game is completely different if you talk about the the other end of the spectrum which is the retail customers i would say ai and ml has definitely helped a lot and when you talk about underwriting you're essentially talking about identity underwriting financial underwriting if there is a secured loan then property underwriting as well right so those are the three sets that you probably want to underwrite uh in terms of identity it's very well established thanks to the 
uh, ecosystem that India has, where I have Aadhaar, PAN, where I can probably, uh, for an SME also, by the way, I can do uh, GST returns, etc. But for an individual, I know uh, the PIN code, I know the location, I know the make of the phone, whether it's iOS or Android. I know uh, if that person is in an area which has experienced high defaults earlier. I know uh, if he enters his telephone bill number or his gas connection number, I know exactly when did he uh, complete his bill payments, when did he take the last gas cylinder or pipe connection, etc. So there is enough and more data to do the ID underwriting. In terms of financial underwriting, you have, again, uh, the uh, great ecosystem enabled by fintech startups, right? So today I can take out your bank account for the last six months. Nobody has to read it. I can just upload it online and I can get that if I have defaulted ever on a payment, what is my salary? They can reconstruct the salary that I have without me disclosing it. So okay. even that part is sorted. For the secured loans, I would say in the part of, uh, you know, property underwriting again, a lot of these banks, uh, big banks, especially HDFC have, and SBI have started pre-approved projects. Right? And within that, they don't even have to do the legal, technical valuation, etc. verification. And you just enter the name of the building and you will get a pre-approved loan. So I would say at the end stage, at the point of individual underwriting, it is extremely useful and it is going to change the way. Any bank that or any financial institution for that matter, if it doesn't adopt, will get disrupted in the next five, six years. You have to have to do this because uh, banking as a business, you know, intermediation margins have been very high historically, which is why you've seen in the first wave public se sector banks being disrupted by private sector banks, now private sector banks being disrupted by FinTech. So any business in the world where intermediation margins are very high are prone to disintermediation. And now once the disintermediation happens, the margins will shrink and you have to control costs. And the only way to do that is to go digital, right? So all of this, the, the underwriting of today is very different from the underwriting 10 years after. And all these factors that I'm talking about will kick in uh, to an even further degree uh, in the next 10 years. The SMEs are, are probably, I would say, midway. Some of the banks have adopted great uh, sort of tools to underwrite them and have an instant uh, score where they're able to understand what uh, loan to lend, what tenure, whether to lend or not, what kind of conditions, etc. So I would say SME is somewhere in the middle. Uh, so we'll, we'll get disrupted similar to retail in terms of timelines, but not at the level where it is today. Yes, sir, yes. I think a lot of these points were something that we should take a note of and it would be really helpful for us in the coming years. And so, uh, uh, changes in the population shift are the only events regarding the future for which two predictions can, is possible. Like we can predict the uh, population shift. Uh, management needs to anticipate changes in the market structure, the fashion or the taste of the population and uh, go about their competition. So how does strategy help a uh, management or a firm do, in doing all these things? So I would say that, you know, uh, I think borrowing from uh, inspirational people I've heard, right? Uh, I would say uh, you cannot be everything to everyone and hence I would say that strategy is about closing the doors, right? You have to close the doors for you to commit yourself to open doors. 
and by that i mean that you know if i have decided that i want to focus on the millennial segment as a bank uh in the age group of let's say 20 to 35 then i won't have propositions which are you know which have a lot of jargon which have a offline leg i would probably just want to be completely digital right and which means even the fulfillment through digital i would not want to uh make them do half the journey on mobile and then say come to the branch right the generation of today is like you know always looking into the phone so if you make them look away from their phone then you've lost the interest right then and there right mm-hmm. if you if you realize even the customer support etc is also shifting on the uh whatsapp and the digital channels because people are so accustomed to doing like this right looking at their phones and if you ask them to make a call and press four on ivr then you've lost the customer already so i would say strategy again i i subscribe to the traditional concept strategy is about closing doors making an integrated set of choices and uh, with the demographic shift at least in india i would say the implication is people have to start taking the emerging millennial customers more seriously as banks uh, as the financial services industry i would say we've delivered the worst experience for customers in the last so many years of existence now with the with the great experience companies of the future which is maybe swiggy amazon uber disney etc they they're redefining customer experience and the expectations for the same set of customer is very different so now the earlier probably the banks would have survived on keeping branches i would say that's no more going to be the case while it will still be important the future is going to be digital and every bank who's who sort of thinking of their strategy needs to understand that what do the customers want and if i want to sort of serve those customers and once you've made the choice just stick to it don't say that you know once for example bank x today may say that i don't want to serve the millennial customers the current amount of revenue pool is not sufficient for me right i mean that's a fair choice to make but then don't go around saying that we are digital as well we are launching this so that you can do it from the home because you are essentially not closing the door then and if you never close the door then please uh, and please realize this that you're going to be stretched thin on all fronts right which is what you were you would have seen some of you have worked in organizations right people say something that we are great at customer experience but then they will not allow the front line to waive charges of rupees 250 right but that is not great customer experience they'll say oh sir i have to get it approved and we all know how much we hate it so strategy is about making a set of choices which are consistent and it is about closing the right doors at the right time yes sir yes i think uh, that was a very insightful answer sir uh, so actually we have come almost to the end of our session our last question to you would be uh, what would do you advise all the students here who would uh, be future consultant or would like to go into some consultancy firms as a career if someone wants to take consultancy as a career i would say that uh, it's a great choice uh, work towards it uh, uh, i think uh, a couple of things which have served me at least in good stead till now is passion about problem solving so i mean i'm very passionate about new problems i uh, sort of encounter and want to get to the best of the solution 
So the other thing would be, I would say, is to build your presence, right? To build your personal presence, and this starts at a uh, young age itself, right? So spend time, uh, invest time in building your own presence, and it doesn't mean the oh, I I'm a first year student, I'm going to attend seven clubs, and I'm going to do four committees, and I'm going to be part of placement committee, which will give me exposure. to speak to companies etc it's none of that right don't fall for that do what works for you right and only you know what works for you so if your idea of building presence is traveling and meeting people then do that if your idea of of course when the when the uh, situation is right if your idea of you know improving your presence is speaking to friends speaking to family right then do that and uh, don't for example take part in debates which are not which don't help you right so find out what works for you and build that personal presence it will be helpful in uh, multiple other professions as well yes sir thank you thank you so much sir uh, we sincerely thank you sir for giving us your valuable time and sharing your expertise and knowledge with all of us i am sure that our listeners would have greatly benefited from this conversation we hope it was a positive experience on your side as well thank you so much sir of course thank you uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity and to all the listeners who are sort of uh, listening in at different points of time feel free to reach out to me in case there's any uh, clarification or you just like to chat uh, on something i'd be more than happy to yes thank you thank you sir Thank you best of luck to all of you bye bye thank you